Welcome to Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. I'm Liren. Okay, it has been pretty freaking crazy since the last time I talked to you guys. I know I promised a episode thanking people for my birthday wishes and work got crazy and I thought, man, I really need to do that. And then real life struck. But before I say anything about that, let me just say, I really appreciate the response I've gotten to my love episode. Uh, I'll talk more about that at the end. And I had ha- I've had a realization about where I'm at and how that episode came across. And I actually re-listened to that episode because I, a couple of responses I got made me go, man, I must not have sounded the way I meant to when I came across. And what I realized was, man, I really didn't. So I think that my stress and worry and, um, you know, just being really ready for the new house and ready for a change has led to me being pretty freaking negative. It's interesting because I, I'm really not a generally negative person. Like I'm not actually wired that way naturally, I don't think, uh, you know, any more than certainly I have the ability to go that way. But, but I mean, I'm not like a naturally pessimistic person. But I realized that when I re-listened to that episode, I thought, wow, I already know that sometimes when I say things in response to people, it can come across like I'm judging them or I'm saying, here's what I think and I'm right and you're wrong. When really all I'm saying is here's what I think. I, you know, the one of the things that makes this world work is the fact that everyone is not exactly the same. How boring would it be if everyone was the same and no one was offering alternative options and people had to follow one linear path? I mean, that would be terrible. I really believe it would be. And I, when I listened back to my episode, uh, I realized that I have not. So when I first started podcasting, I feel like I was much more considerate in the past about things like saying at the beginning, this is absolutely not meant as an indictment of anyone, a judgment of anyone. Um, there, there was no veiled message there. There was no veiled message to Hobbes. There was no veiled message to my husband. I mean, they're just, it wasn't about that. And I feel like in the past, I was much better at stopping and thinking and being like, okay, what do I need to say first to make sure people understand that that isn't the case? Because I know that when you have alternative views, it can be really easy for people to hear you talk about your alternative views as you saying, here's what I think, and it's better and you're wrong. So what I really think is what I how I feel about things is what works for me. I offer it because it is helpful to me to hear other people say, well, here's my take on this. I'm actually really curious about people just fundamentally. And I find myself wondering why people feel the way they do all the time. I mean, I have that thought more often, holy cow, especially with the political situation in this country. I can't tell you how often I have the thought. I just intensely wish I knew someone who was a conservative Republican who loves Trump, who could explain it to me or 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 even share their views about it without being belittling of anyone who doesn't agree with them. So I don't know. I, I that's probably the true unicorn, you know, <laughs> at least for me. And realize that I say that 
knowing that part of the reason I struggle with that is probably because of the way I communicate about it. Probably because I can get passionate about things and that can come across as me being rude when, oh my gosh, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not trying to be passive aggressive. I'm not, I just, I, I've had struggles with that before where I'll have a conversation with someone. I'll tell you the worst, worst, worst is my parents. Holy cow. I struggle so much to talk to them about anything besides the freaking weather. And you would think I would know that. And hmm, it seems I can't be taught, but we'll talk more about that in a minute. So I just want to say right here at the start, I am, I please don't think that I was saying that if you don't think what I think you're wrong, because I'm just not saying that. What I am saying is here's what I think and here's why I think it. And um, I just appreciate the feedback that I've gotten and the messages. And I don't know, (laughs) in a minute, I'll tell you why this has meant so much to me, especially here lately. It just feels good to be connected to somebody, to some community, to some people who who um, are at least there, like listening and, and offering some support. Because, you know, living in the middle of nowhere, there just is not a plethora of that going down. The next thing I'd like to address is the fact that I feel like I misunderstood what Hobbes was saying, to a degree, because I thought I was saying that whenever I hear a man say the word misogyny, I think to myself, I wonder how much they can really understand misogyny or like what the experience of misogyny is. But that is not what I said in my podcast. So uh, Hobbes, I'm sorry about that. I really am. I you did not say that one of the, you know, messages that was heavy handed that you agree with. So it was okay was about misogyny. And I totally conflated those two things. And I am sorry I did that because you didn't say that. And I need to make sure that I properly represent what you said. You know, this has happened once in the past. I did that one time with something Ivy said. So it's not like I don't know I'm capable of that. I think everyone is. I just need to pay closer attention and think a couple of times, not just once about what I'm thinking and what someone meant and what I'm saying. And the funny thing is, I didn't think you said the message about misogyny was one of the ones that was heavy handed. I just completely I'm not sure I listened to what I said about that. And I went, what on earth? I totally conflated those things. So I just wanted to offer you an apology for that because you didn't say that. I I know you didn't. And um, so sorry about that. So I mentioned that real life has been really challenging lately. Um, You know, I struggle sometimes with the fact that I am really just an open book on this podcast. And I don't want that to come across as me being all like, here's my horrible hardship. Everyone feels sorry for me because I'm not sharing it for that reason. You know, a big reason I started this podcast and a big reason why I talk so openly about issues that are like personal to me is that... I, you know, I I know I've said this before, living in the middle of nowhere and having a very limited number of friends, uh, I feel a lot of times like I go through experiences and I'm not thinking, oh, this is something everybody goes through. Uh, Here's some examples of how other people I've known have handled this, you know, 
because when I was younger, when I was in college, I had some friends. But, you know, even then, I was a single mother at that time. And my oldest son, I had him a year into my uh, two and a half year college degree. So even then, the people that I had been friends with when I didn't have him weren't my friends after I had him. And it wasn't that they disliked me. It's that our lives very sharply split in a different direction. You know, I didn't have time for stuff. I didn't have the energy. I didn't have, I wasn't partying, which I never was somebody who did that really. But I was just in a very different mental place. I wasn't meeting people and flirting and all of that because my brain was not on relationships. My brain was on, I have to build something to support my child. So I suddenly became very focused on my education. So Anyways, I just want to say before I share this next part that I understand this is very personal. I understand that this could make people uncomfortable. I'll just give you a heads up about that now. Um, but I am going to go ahead and share a situation that just happened because it is so crazy to me how well this dovetails with my episode about love. I'll tell you, my gosh. I mean, thinking about it, I just, there are so many aspects of that episode when I mentioned things that this thing happening really intersected. So, so, um, last week, my granddaughter's other grandmother, uh, her mom's mom, she had surgery. So I can't remember if I mentioned, I feel like I have, but you know, oh my gosh, it's all such a blur now. Her mother is a heavy smoker, always had been a heavy smoker, smoked her whole life. She has had, gosh, at least three vertebrae fused because her bones are very brittle. And um, she has, she doesn't have actual, oh my gosh, why can I not remember? Oh, emphysema. That's the word. I'm sorry. My husband's mom had emphysema from a lifetime of smoking. And you know, it's funny because she was very much like my granddaughter's other grandmother in that she was very, very thin, very frail. Her bones were pretty fragile. Um, so I don't know if that's always a result of smoking, but certainly there are two ob- straight up, you know, object lessons for me in the effects of lifelong, you know, nicotine use. But anyways, um, so she a couple of months ago, it might have been even longer than a couple of months now, I don't remember. Uh, she fell, actually. When I saw her, gosh, when did I see her? Between Christmas and New Year, I saw her. And she was kind of a loopy. And she was walking down a hallway and kind of gently bouncing off the walls like bumper cars and then kind of riding herself. And I was like, wow, okay, somebody is on a lot of pain medication. And I know that she had a lot of pain with her back. I mean, I knew that at the time. And so I thought, okay, well, she must just be having a really hard time with her back right now. Well, not too long after that, she stood up out of a chair and fell over forward at like four o'clock in the morning or something and hit her head. And when she did that, she actually broke a vertebrae in her neck. So uh, it did not shatter or anything, but it did have a like a, a fracture down the center of it all the way through it. 
And when she went to the hospital and they did an MRI on her neck, they found in her brain, she had an eight millimeter and a five millimeter site where she could have an aneurysm at any moment. So the doctor came in and I was actually there when the doctor came in and told her this uh, because I had taken the, um, the girls up to visit. Uh, she, the doctor told her that they really needed to address that. So once her neck healed, that they were going to uh, address that. And so I knew that she was going to end up having surgery. And um, of course, any brain surgery is really serious. So last week, I got up really early and drove uh, my granddaughter's mom to her sister's house for them to drive to the hospital when her mom went into surgery. So I thought, okay, um, Jeff took care of the girls. I took her and I knew that I might have to get the girls off the bus in the afternoon, but I thought she would be back. And she texted me and said, things did not go as well as planned. So I'm going to need to stay here. So I ended up staying at her house that night with the girls well, later that night, she told me that she texted and said that her mom had, uh, in the surgery, in doing this procedure, they had dislodged a blood clot because things were in a lot worse shape than they thought. But the blood clot was not at either of the sites. It was actually in a different place in her brain, but it dislodged. And so she came out of the anesthesia and her, she had no speech or comprehension of speech because there was a blockage. And I was like, wow, okay, that is really scary. Um, they told them that she would definitely have to have physical therapy and that, it, you know, I mean, it's a situation of blood deprivation, like a stroke, you know. So um, then the next day, she texted me a couple times throughout Friday and told me that things were not getting better. And in the afternoon, she texted me and said that she was going to have to stay there again because they were going to do surgery on her mom to relieve pressure because she still had a bleed from, I think, from the procedure where they did the procedure itself, and it was putting pressure on her brain. And so I said, okay, so I stayed with the girls, you know, we got ready, we went to bed. I'm for the second night sleeping on a very uncomfortable couch, of course, realized that Jeff and my older son or younger son left for a convention on Thursday uh, at lunchtime. And so I'm trying to juggle getting over here and taking care of our animals and staying with the girls at their apartment. And um, it was a lot. It was, you know, pretty exhausting, but whatever. I thought short term, you know, you do what you got to do, right? That's what family's for. So I am sleeping on the couch at three o'clock in the morning. My phone rings and uh, their mom is on the phone and she's crying. And she said, you need to get the girls up here uh, by seven o'clock in the morning. The it, things have gotten a lot worse and her brain function is now flat. So somewhere in the middle of the night around, I think she said around 1 a.m. Because when they put the pressure thing in to relieve the pressure, they you know, they had a lot of sensors on her anyway, and her brain function went flat. So um, I th was like, okay, so I got up and I got everything together, had to have the girls up at like 5am to get over to the hospital by seven. And that was pretty crazy. The girls were nervous, but 
She told me I could not tell them anything about it. Her family handles stuff so weird. So the only thing I said to the girls was that they needed to understand that people were going to be sad. I actually spent about 45 minutes between about 3.15 and 4 a.m. reading articles about talking to children about grief and loss and stuff like that. Because I know how I've handled it with my kids, but I haven't had to handle that with my kids in you know, a really long time. I mean, gosh, my youngest son was what, five when my husband's mom died. So, you know, it's been over a decade since I've had to deal with that. So anyway, I went and read articles. I I felt like I could talk to them if they needed to. An important thing is not forcing them to, but letting them know you're there if they need to. So uh, I had told them that their mom wasn't coming home because there were complications with surgery. And the 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 worst part about all of this is that um, my granddaughter's older sister was incredibly attached to her granny because she actually raised her for 18 months when uh, my granddaughter's mom got pregnant with my granddaughter and she did not live. She lived with one of her sisters and there wasn't room for her daughter. So her daughter stayed with her mother. And it was just a messy situation of 18 months of her daughter living with her mother when she was, gosh, she would have been two and a half to four. So she adored her granny. Now her granny certainly was, you know, and could be a difficult person and like any human, right? And um, I often thought, wow, I don't really understand how you can act like that. But you know what, whatever. People are different. Like I said, I don't expect everyone to be like me. But I, so I was really careful about talking to my granddaughter's sister about that. Because the fact of the matter is, once she reached the point of them doing surgery to relieve pressure, the odds of something really bad happening went up pretty darn drastically. And I didn't want to scare her, but she did say to me uh, the day before this happened, is granny going to be okay? And I was honest with her and I did say to her, well, honey, we hope she's going to be okay and they're doing everything they can to help her. Because I didn't want to say yes or no, you know. So anyways, uh, on the way over, we talked a little bit about just that everyone was going to be sad and that. um, not to expect people to act like they usually do and that we just need to be really kind to each other at times like that. So we got there. um, They were taken back to see her and it was a big shock for both of them. Realized that in their family, there were five uh, grandchildren. One of them is my youngest son's age, much older, a boy. And then there are four that are each a year apart. So my granddaughter's the youngest. Then there's a little boy who's a year older. Then a little girl who's a year older. And then her oldest, her sister, who's the oldest of the little ones. So um, I get there. We're in an ICU waiting room and they have these little kids there. And I'm thinking, why do people not understand that? little kids don't belong in situations like that Uh, in in their family at times like that. They tend to grab their kids and cling to them and not think about what their kids need in that moment. They're just thinking about what they need. And 
certainly I understand how hard it is to think objectively at times like that. Wow. I mean, it's very painful and very scary. And I don't say that with judgment, but I'm looking around at these kids who, once they had been back to see her, were all just like hugely wide eyed and terrified. And um, the little girl who isn't one of my granddaughters, she's the one whose dad died. Gosh, I want to say it's been four years ago now, maybe. Uh, he got a tooth infection that went into his brain and he died. And it took about a month and a half for all of that to happen from when he went into the hospital to when he actually died. But it happened much like what just happened with her granny. She, Although in this case, her granny had surgery and, you know, they knew something was going on with her brain ahead of time. The same thing happened in that they put in the pressure thing and it, you know, didn't work and went brain dead. So I, while I knew it was going to be really hard for my granddaughter's sister, I was really worried about this other little girl. I'm going to tell you some initials just so that I'm, I know it has to be confusing for me to keep saying little girl, blah, blah, blah. So um, the other little girl, her initial I'll use for her is L and my granddaughter's older sister will use E. So um, when they told L, so L is really close to me. It's an interesting situation where when her dad died, I went to the hospital with my with uh, my granddaughter's mom. And when I went there, I ended up just immediately falling into the role of managing children. So uh, both of at some point, both my granddaughter and her older sister were there. But in the beginning, I just went over there with their mom, just trying to offer support because uh, they're not a family that understands that very well. They don't um, they're really a lot of people who think about just themselves and what they need. And they're very reactive and don't really pause to step back and think about things. And, and, um, that can make things really challenging. And I knew that her sister, it was her oldest sister who lost her husband was really freaking out because they did not expect to lose him. It was, uh, a situation where they just could not get the infection under control and part of it was his immune system was so weak. And it's just, it's all so heartbreaking. You know, sometimes in life stuff happens and you just stand there and go, really? Like, really? This is so sad. But um, so I got over there. I end up managing kids. Even when I was there just with uh, my granddaughter's mom, I was spending a lot of time with Elle, the little girl. And she got really attached to me and Ever since then, every time I see her, she comes running up and hugs me and squeezes me and says she loves me. And I tell her I love her. And, you know, so I don't see her very often at all. She doesn't come over and hang out. You know, they're not that kind of family. It's really, I don't know. In some ways, I'm happy because they're very dysfunctional. And in some ways, I'm sad because those poor kids don't really have a connection. They don't, they don't really have a lifeline of, of, feeling like they're not alone, you know, but anyways, uh, so when I got there, of course she did that and I loved on her. I, and when they told her, she knew that granny was very sick. She knew that she was, you know, in a bad state, but when the kids saw her and, you know, they had shaved her head and their granny had really long hair and, you know, it, it really freaked them out. But especially Elle, because the first thing she said was, but I already lost daddy. I, why am I losing granny when I already lost daddy? I don't want to lose her. And, 
And of course, all of that is so understandable. And her mom was just squeezing on her and being, you know, like, like, I know, I know they tried, we can't fix it. And of course, that's what you say to them, right? Because all you can really do is commiserate. And so then the kids, it was really interesting because the kids kind of um, all looked at each other and were like, okay, we want to go out now. And I was like, okay, well, I'll sit out in the waiting room with them. No problem. Because I told them I'm here for the day. My older son came and took care of our animals for me in the afternoon, which, oh my gosh, I was so grateful for. Or I met in the morning and then stayed a bunch of the day just to be with the dogs, which I thought was so sweet of him before he had to go to work. And uh, so I, it was an interesting day. It was a, I mean, a really sad day, but but I was trying to give the kids what they needed. And, you know, of course, I'm no shrink. I, it's not like I think I know exactly what they need. But a couple of times, you know, I mentioned on my love podcast about pets being good for kids. And this really, something hit me really hard in the feels yesterday when um, Elle came up to me at right after she had seen her granny and learned that she was going to die, that she was actually already dead. Her brain was not working, but her body was being kept alive by machines. And um, we went out in the waiting room and she, they kind of immediately went to the window and played I Spy and stuff. And I was just, you know, watching them and sitting there and being like, let them do whatever. As long as they're quiet, like not yelling, you know, because you can't do that in an ICU waiting room. Anyway, um, all of a sudden she comes away from the window and she comes over to me and uh, Elle says, she just starts talking to me about how she wishes magic potions were real. And I said, oh, honey, that's why people write about them, baby, because people lose things. And that's so hard for us as people to lose things we love and care about. And and wouldn't it be wonderful? And and so I bet the first person who ever wrote about that magic potion that would bring people back had lost someone. And that's why they did it. And she was like, oh, yeah. And then she said, out of the blue, she kind of said to me, but granny's in a better place. And I was like, yeah, okay. Now realize I am a total pagan tree hugger. Like I believe in reincarnation. I believe in totally different stuff than they do. They are um, much more Christian than I am. But I was like, you don't, that is not a time to force religion on anyone. Know what I mean? So um, she said that and I was like, yeah. And all of a sudden her eyes lit up and she looked at me and she said, will granny see daddy? And I said, well, honey, the thing is, when we're gone, we don't know what happens. But you know what? She might. Maybe she will. She's like, oh, well, then daddy won't be alone up there. And then all of a sudden she just starts talking about how then she's, you know, she's talking and then she goes, oh, but wait, daddy's not alone because people who have gone before, they're there. And and then my little granddaughter comes walking over and says, well, granny see boo boo. That cat we lost that my granddaughter loves so much. And I smiled and I said, do you know what? I bet she will. And I bet Boo Boo will snuggle with her just like she snuggled with you. And I cannot tell you, those kids seemed so much lighter after that. I was like, whoa, okay. (laughs) And the thing is, I don't ever want to tell anybody something that isn't true. But they, like I said, I don't know that isn't what happens thing is, nobody really knows what happens, right? So 
There's a guy named David Eagleman who did a TED talk about being a possibilian. I never remember the name of it, but I remember when I saw that TED talk because what he's talking about is we just don't know. And because he doesn't know, he's not going to say that any of them aren't true. Christianity, uh, um, creationism, um, reincarnation. He, he's like, I, I don't know what's true. Anything's possible. So I just call myself a possibilian. And, and I thought to myself, you know, when I heard that talk, I was like, yeah, well, that's very true. I don't, I'm not pagan because I think I know what happens. I'm pagan because the security blanket that most comforts me is called paganism, you know? So anyways, uh, I think that helped a lot. The kids seemed lighter after that. And twice we walked down to this little park and they ran around. And, And the good news is my granddaughter's sister E actually had visitation with her dad yesterday and she'll be back today. So her dad came up to the hospital to pick her up. So she went with her dad around nine o'clock. And so she was not there for uh, the whole day, which was really good because she is super bad at dealing with discomfort and dealing with boredom. And she starts poking at other people a lot in those situations. So I think it would have been a lot more stressful if she still would have been there. And I think that she was in a good place because her dad loves her and she loves her dad. And she was very happy to see him. And she had a surprise because her dad had brought his mom with him. His mom is legally blind. She has macular degeneration. So he doesn't take uh, E all the way back to Ohio where he lives when he only has her overnight because they just spend the whole time driving. So normally he'll come, he'll stay in a hotel in a town, you know, surrounding, not like right close. And then he'll bring her back. Well, he brought his mom and her aunt. And so she had a really nice surprise waiting for her. So I'm sure that she had a really good visit. I'm hoping that they were able to be supportive of her. I'll see her when she comes home this afternoon. Um, so I, I feel like I'm giving way too much detail here. I'm sorry. I'm going on and on. Uh, anyway, long story short, I end up staying until two when I had to leave to come back and take care of my animals because there wasn't anyone who could because my son was at work. And so I left the kids there. Uh, my granddaughter was supposed to come with me and spend the night last night before any of this developed, but she wanted to go spend the night with Elle. And I was like, go for it. Uh, no problem. So, um, an interesting thing is that her sister who lost her husband really loves me. My gosh, every time she sees me, she's all hugging on me and stuff. And I mean, it's because I supported her daughter, you know, when she lost her dad, I know. But, but anyway, she was really the same way, which I was really happy I was there because a couple times she came out really sad and she just kind of came over to me and hugged me and I didn't say anything and she didn't say anything. And I just squeezed her as hard as I could until she was ready for me to let go, you know? Um, anyway, the interesting thing to me is that being around all of that sadness, my sadness didn't come out because I was just focused on trying to give the kids what they needed and trying to, to be calm and let them process and not have my stuff on top of it. It wasn't that I was trying to hide anything. It's just that my feelings about it didn't really come up partially because I wasn't really close to their granny. So my experience of it was much more uh, how sad I was they were going to lose someone they loved than it was that I was losing someone I cared about. It's, it was a really interesting thing in hindsight. But but anyway, so uh, when I left, um, I came home. I I was running on about three hours of sleep. I was exhausted. 
I had to take care of all the animals. I had to run and buy chicken feed. That's why I had to leave when I left because I had to make it all the way, uh, you know, two hours away to get chicken feed because we were out. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. It was a pretty crazy day. Uh, so I managed that. I get home. I'm sore as anything because I, I have walked back and forth to the park with the kids and I'm old and I'm not, you know, I'm stiff and the little boy E is terrified of escalators. So I'm having to go up and down the stairs with him while the kids are going up and down the, the other two, the girls are going up and down the escalator and just waiting for me. And I'm like, okay, life is cruel. You know, like it kills me to go up and down some stairs. Boy, that'll make you feel old. Anyway. Uh, and I realized that I had told my parents they could Skype with my granddaughter because I would have her overnight when I thought I would. So I called my mom to tell her what had happened. She, I, I don't talk to them very often. So I hadn't talked to her to tell her about the surgery and blah, 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 or any of that. I really, at this point, only talked to them when they're going to Skype with my granddaughter when I have her overnight, which is only once a month. So, and, and I don't always have her overnight. So during that time, I may not talk to them for two months until the next time I have her. And then every once in a while, something weird will happen and my mom will call me out of the blue and be all friendly and want to chit chat. And I'm like, okay, so I'll chit chat with her, but then I won't hear from her again. So it's a very, wow. Yeah. Anyway, I call, I say, I don't have Zoe. You're not going to be able to Skype with her. I'm talking to my mom and I tell her the situation, you know, what happened, not in all the detail I just told you guys. (laughs) Sorry about that. But anyway, uh, and she gets really quiet and she says to me, well, I'm going to say something you're not going to like at all. And I, you know, like, there's a shock, right? No, but, but I just said, okay, what? And, um, she said to me that she's really proud of me because I'm just like my grandma was to me, which is uh, my grandma was such a wonderful grandma. And, that my mom feels like she did something right because I turned out that way. And, and, and let me just say in the moment when she said that to me, I, first of all, I wasn't sure I heard her right. I didn't respond for a minute. And then I was like, uh, oh, well, thank you for saying that. I, thank you. That feels really good. And, um, it's interesting to me that she takes the credit for me being that way. Cause I don't give it to her. I give it to my grandma, but whatever. I get it. You know, I didn't say that to her. Uh, and then we continue talking and I don't remember why it came up. Um, you'll understand more about why I don't remember the rest of this conversation very clearly in a minute. Uh, and for some reason, all of a sudden she started talking about, oh, I know what brought this up. We were talking about the fact that the kids uh, said something about seeing people after they die. And I just went along with it. And my mom was like, Oh, that must have been hard for you. Because my mom despises the fact that I'm pagan. From day one, she's been like, you just do that because it's different. You just can't be like anybody else. And you know, it's really, ugh. um, so I don't talk to her about that. I have in the past just told her what I believe when I first figured it out when I was younger. But anyways, um, and for somehow that led to talking about people who believe different than we do. And then my mom all of a sudden starts talking about how she can understand anybody except for Muslims because Muslims just hate everyone and want to kill everyone else. And anyway, her and I are having this conversation. And the weird thing about my parents that I know I've mentioned before is 
You do not talk to one of them without talking to both of them. For example, my father is not allowed to speak to me without her being there and it being on speakerphone, which is, you know, just fascinating in its own right. But anyway, so I knew that my dad was probably sitting there. My dad's hearing is really terrible. So I never know how much he's paying attention. But so her and I are talking and I say to her, why do you believe that about that religion? And she's um, saying stuff to me about how, well, they this and they that. And I'm like, hold on, who's the they in that sentence? And then she's talking like, you know, um, Muslims are majority extremists and most of them just want to kill everyone who doesn't don't believe what they believe. And, and, and I'm, I'm talking to her and I'm staying calm. And I'm just like, this is a perfect example of a time when I really just want to get to the root of how can you believe that? Like, what are you basing that on? And all of a sudden, my dad just um, starts yelling and, and saying really horrible things and talking about how can I be such a fucking idiot and um, and I hung up the phone and I started crying and then I couldn't stop. And then I cried harder than I think I've ever cried. Strangely enough, hard. That's the hardest I can remember crying. I'm sure I have, but not that I remember. And, uh, I went outside. I was trying to like soothe myself. Um, and my poor husband is at a con. I know he's running a game eight to midnight. It's 10 o'clock at night. And I just text him and I'm like, if you guys take a break, can you call me? It's not urgent. And so a few minutes later, he calls me and uh, I just freaked out. So I really feel for him because, you know, he's away. He's running a game. He's like, I'm so sorry. I'm not there. Do you need me to come home? And I'm like, no, I mean, there's nothing you can do if you come home, honey. It's not. No, it's not about that. And uh, I again, I'm crying so hard. He can't really understand what I'm saying sometimes. And and what I realized was that my mom saying something nice to me in that moment, I was very vulnerable. And um, I'm not used to her saying nice things to me. When she does, I'm always very suspicious because rarely in a conversation does she say anything nice without then punching you in the face passive aggressively. So I, I never believe her when she says something nice to me. But in that moment, I wanted to believe her so bad. And, and I realized that I had, um, I let my guard down, you know, and, uh, my dad just stepped in there and bludgeoned me. And, uh, so I, um, I don't know. I'm, I blocked them both on my phone because I can't, I can't deal with that right now. Um, I don't hit my limit with them. You know, I, I, this is, I talked about this during my episode. I, I distance myself. I keep a boundary. I, and the thing with them is um, my mom being a pathological liar, you set a boundary with them. And five minutes later, you're setting it again because they pretend they didn't hear you or they don't remember or you know what I mean? So um, it's a constant exercise of setting boundaries to even deal with them. And um I realize now that, well, I realized that when I talked to my husband, because the first thing he said was, honey, stop beating yourself up. It's okay. He was wonderful. Oh my gosh. He's so wonderful at times like that because he's not trying to fix it. He's not trying to, all he's doing is saying soothing things when 
that's what I really need. And it's funny because it's, I'm sure it's much like soothing a toddler at that point. It doesn't happen to me very often in our relationship. Gosh, I can think of a handful of times in 22 years, maybe four times in all that time when I am just broken down. I'm not logical. I'm not really capable of switching gears to being logical right then. And he is so wonderful in times like that, I have to tell you. So I'm really glad he called. I'm really sad for him that he called because I thought, oh my gosh, I how do you go back and run a game after your wife just had a meltdown, you know? So I, I will just apologize to him again. <laughs> I mean, I know that he loves me and he wanted to be there and all that. I don't I apologize because that just has to be a lot when you're in the middle of running a game, you're already part of your brain is like, I wish I was there. And then that happens, you know? So, um, and I realized at the time, part of it was I was running on three hours of sleep. I was just, you know, depleted. Um, and so I went to bed and I woke up this morning and I thought to myself, okay, you're rested. I got a good night's sleep. I slept for like eight hours. Um, I went out and took care of the animals and I was thinking about it and I thought, do I want to unblock them? Do I need to unblock them? And you know, I didn't. And I, at this point, I don't think I'm going to, um, I don't know, you know, I probably will unblock them at some point, but, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do to stop myself from letting my guard down again. I mentioned on that love episode, how much I want my mother to love me. And when she said that all of a sudden I was 10 years old again, just craving her like a desperate child. And, and all of a sudden she was there and I didn't know what to do with it, but it felt really good. And, and I should have known it's not like if I had been well rested and all of that hadn't happened, I wouldn't, the minute she said something nice, be thinking, Hey, when's it coming? Because she doesn't give you something nice. She always yanks it back really hard. Uh, but I wasn't thinking that at all. So I was just vulnerable and wide open. And uh, a lot, you know, I spend a lot of energy um, blaming my mom for a lot of things and ignoring just how abusive my father is. So uh, that was a rude awakening. Um, I They certainly have a suck-ass sense of timing. Uh, but I'm better today and I'm really happy I got a good night's sleep. Oh my gosh. Uh I share all of that just because I know other people go through that. And I don't want, I want to make sure that you realize that it doesn't make you weak and it doesn't make you stupid and it doesn't make you anything except a person who wants your parents to love you when even decades later, they can still swoop in and hurt you. And, and the fact of the matter is, do I want to become such a hardened person that I never, um, uh, that I put up such a thick brick wall that someone just can't break through it. I really don't. But on the other hand, I wish I would have texted instead of called. <laughs> Isn't hindsight wonderful? Uh, I certainly the fact that that happened canceled out whatever she had said to me that was nice, which is what always happens. Um, so uh, anyway, I share all of that just to say, a lot has been going on. Please hug and love on the people that you love. Try to be understanding of the people who have flaws. Um, remember that in a moment when someone is really, really hurting, sometimes the best thing you can do is just offer some warm arms or a shoulder and try really hard to be an active listener. Try really hard to just hear what they're saying. 
don't try to fix it. Don't try to justify it. Don't try to um, validate yourself by telling them how right you are about something. I mean, I, you can see now why I said I really hesitate to share something this personal and raw, but, um, thank you for sticking with me. If you've listened this long again, geez, I just, it's 36. Holy cow. Okay. Uh, I'm going to (laughs) stop. I'm just going to say thank you so much to everyone who sent me a birthday wish. I, I'm, I give up. It's been, my birthday was the fourth. What's it been 20 days or something. I love you guys. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you for the wonderful ideas about porridge ingredients to Spencer over at Keep Off the Borderlands. Um, I also got a really cool message about porridge and and um, I, I'm going to talk more about that because I'm going to try to refocus on breakfasts and that has really gotten lost in all the turmoil of what's been going on. So I'm going to try to refocus on that and I will share that as I try um, steel cut oats with different things added to it because oh my goodness, I've had some really interesting ideas that I'm going to try. So I love you guys. Thank you for sticking with me. I hope that everyone is doing well. I understand, you know, I am not like begging for sympathy or anything. I just really wanted to share something that had happened to me. And I thought to myself, this is a time when I really feel alone that I'm going through this stuff and I'm alone. And so I thought, you know, it would feel good to make sure that other people know they're not alone if they go through stuff like that. So you guys have a good one and I'll be back soon.